You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. St. John here. I grew up in the Catholic Church. I, I believed in God, but I did not know him. God is love. I was living a worldly life full of sin. I was lacking the love of God, and I was not satisfied. I was looking for a love that I couldn't find in the world. I couldn't find it in the people around me. Oh my gosh. He is the only place that you can be the only one who can satisfy you. He is our creator and we need him. We can't live this life without the creator who gave us this life. Uh, I was broken. I was lost. I was sad. I couldn't, I couldn't be satisfied with the love of the people around me. Of course they loved me, but you can't rely on people. You can't rely on man. You can only rely on God. He's the only one who can complete you. He's the only one who can fill your heart. A scripture came on my mind today, Isaiah 26, 4. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He is our strong tower. He is our safe place, our only hope. Just look to him in everything, every struggle, every pain. And he, he, he will make a way. He will, he will satisfy you and <laughs> you can trust in him. Praise God. Amen. I might go into shock here. I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to do my best. Um, most of you already know me, um, but for the ones who don't, I'm Josh Morehouse. Oh, before I go into my testimony here, I just want to give, I just want to give honor and thanks to Brother Carter. I appreciate you so much. You've been such a blessing in my life. You know, God has used you to bring me where I'm at today, and, and I have to give you so, so, much, so much thanks. I appreciate you so much, Pastor. And I'm going to continue to pray for you. And God is going to continue to do wonderful things through you. And, he, and, and you are such a blessing to this church. Uh, we honor you. We thank you. And uh, as well, I just want to just thank this church. Everybody who supported me and, and just prayed for me and, and been there with me. I appreciate every one of you so much. So much. And... I'm believing God is doing wonderful things in this church. This church, these four walls can't contain what God is going to do in this church. God's going to pour it out. The book of Acts, I said it earlier, the book of Acts is not dead. It's alive. And it's coming back to life. And we're going to see miracles. We're going to see people healed from drugs, delivered, set free. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm excited. You see me up here? Some of you might think that guy's crazy. He gets real loud. He jumps up and down. What's he doing? I've got to praise him. He set me free. I got no choice. I've got to praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Jesus. Forgive me, I'm getting a little bit loud. Maybe I shouldn't have used this mic. I'm not going to try to take up too much time here. Um, like I said, most of you know me. My name's Josh Morehouse. I grew up, this is my home church. I grew up here. I, did, I, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Right standing right here at eight years old, filled with the Holy Ghost. Was baptized in the name of Jesus. And at a very young age, I decided to walk away. I decided to walk away. I fell into the devil's trap. Started smoking cigarettes at the age of eight. By the time I was, well, I started smoking weed as well. By the time I hit age 14, I had already began to drink alcohol. It all started, it all started in, back in the woods in the party shacks with the boys, just having some drinks, smoking some dope. Thought it was cool, was trying to fit in with everybody and thought I was doing the right thing. And by the time I hit age 16, I had already, already began to experience with hard drugs, led me down a dark road of addiction. By the time I was 21, I was smoking crack, I was smoking meth, I was taking all sorts of different kinds of pills, whatever I could get my hands on. I was broken. I never thought growing up I'd be a fiend. Nobody ever told me you'd be a fiend, but I was. I was hanging around with people that were putting needles in their arms, but by the power of God, He delivered me, set me free, and I'm here today. And God is taking my story. He's using it for his glory. I remember hearing a preacher say one time that, that I remember hearing a preacher say one time that the devil always paints the sunny side of the canvas. He never paints the side that has brokenness, shattered dreams, depression, anxiety. But the one, he's here today, his name is Jesus. And whatever you've brought in this place today, He's going to set you free. He will. You just need to grab on and just call on his name. He's holding his hand out, and he's going to deliver you too. Just keep hanging on. Thank you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence, oh God, in this room. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. You may all be seated. Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. How is everyone doing this evening? Awesome. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I honestly don't know what to do with my hands because like, if I put it here, you guys could, you could still see it. <laughs> and then you could still see my legs. And okay. <laughs> can't really tell I'm a little bit nervous um, but before I get on with what God has laid on my heart I just want to bring honor to where honor is due thank you to Pastor Carter and to Sister Carter for this wonderful opportunity and just investing so much for NCC and the students <laughs> when I first met Brother Carter I I was a bit scared <laughs> because he was the president of this school, so like automatically I would have to act proper, kind of keep my mouth shut, because half the time I don't know what I'm saying. Um, but once I got to know him, I'm a little bit, I'm a little less scared of him. <laughs> but I just want to say that this church is super, super blessed to have a pastor who is so faithful. 
a man of God and knows the value of each soul. Amen. So thank you for everything that you do um, for NCC and for the students. And also thank you to Brother McNair and Brother Scott for your love and your trust in us NCC students. Woo. Every chance they get, they make sure to let us know that they believe in us. And they're honestly our dads away from home, as weird as that sound, but they, they really are, because most of us are not from New Brunswick. Some of us are from BC, um, Ontario, Saskatchewan, Regina, Saskatchewan. And we get a little homesick, but you know, one talk with them takes away all that homesickness. And on behalf of NCC, we just want to say we appreciate everything that you do for us. And thank you to Sister McNair. I can't forget our mom away from home. <laughs> Making sure that we are always at our best behavior. And of course, that we are very well fed. <laughs> Every time I would walk past her, I would always hear her humming with so much joy. Like she has no worry in life. Like she, she's not worried about having to feed like over 30 of us. And once I graduate, I'm honestly going to miss um, her coming into my room and saying, oh dear, how are you? <laughs> oh darling, you're going to do great. <laughs> and most of all, I am going to miss her constant reminder of her letting us know that we are so needed. We are so needed. And thank you, Sister McNair, for everything. And of course, thank you to Sister Tracy and Brother Gowan. I'm telling you, our chorale wouldn't sound like that if it wasn't for their prayers and for their fasting and the times that they spent with us. You know, knowing the harmonies and the tempos and the chords is, is not easy. Amen. And many of us were pushed out of our, our comfort zone, but ev behind every singer, there's someone that believes in us and is telling us that we can do it. Amen. Amen. So I'm sorry I had kind of taken a bit of uh, time a bit of my time away because I had to give recognition, recognition to some people, but this is our last chorale trip and our last school body trip, so this is a great opportunity to give honor to those who really brought impact in the NCC, um, for the NCC students. Amen. So let's all stand and read the Word of God and let us open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 10.13, and I'm reading from the ESV version. And if you got it, shout amen. And it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And in Psalms 18.6, ESV as well, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. And today, I will be um, preaching on the voice in our escape room. Brother Carter, may you lead us in prayer. Amen. And you may all be seated. So what does escape mean? Escape means breakout, freedom, rescue, break free, 
to get out and to get away from. But what is an escape room? So who here knows what an escape room is? Who's anyone here who has done an escape room? Oh, there's many, mostly the younger people. <laughs> so for those who do not know what an escape room is, an escape room is like a real life video game. And your goal in this game, this is kind of hard to understand, is to escape the room. <laughs> wow, wow, powerful. So in this game, you would go with a group. And it's a game that you can play with your family or your friends. So you will be put in a room based on whatever theme that you had chosen. And the room that you are put into has different puzzles, different tasks, different mini games that you have to figure out and solve. Tasks that you need to accomplish that then lead, it will lead you to the next puzzle or riddle or whatever you have to solve until you eventually escape. And in this game, there's excitement, there's pressure, and whenever you, you um, solve a puzzle, you never know what will turn up next. And in this game, when you aren't able to figure out or solve one of the puzzles and it feels like you're about to give up and you, you, you just can't do it, you can ask for help. And there's, um, we have a, there's a game guide and she watches you on the camera. And if you need a hint or if you need help, you call on the game guide. And with this game, you have limited time and you have to be able to solve all the puzzles and try to escape the room with limited time. And I've been to two escape rooms, and sadly, the people I went with, we did not escape the room. <laughs> but this game sounds pretty doable and easy, but let me tell you, it's, it's pretty complicated and definitely hard when you have a person, you have one person who wants to take charge, who wants to be that boss, who wants to take all the, that credit. Then you have another person who is clumsy, who is loud, who is reckless, then you have another person who is just all up in your ear. Oh, what is that? Wait, how do you do, like, oh, just all, up, just all up in there. And there's another person who is like the galvanizer, always screaming, cheering you on. Yes, you got it. You got it. And then you have that one person who literally has no clue what they are doing. <laughs> so it really is a game that teaches you and lets you see who you work best with. And it takes a lot of patience and, it, and let me tell you, it's hard to have patience because of the limited time that you are giving to accomplish the tasks. So the last time I went to an escape room, it was in Winnipeg, and I was with my brother and with my brothers and cousins, and it was like a mummy-themed, like Egyptian escape escape room, and we had just one hour to solve this whole mystery and attempt to escape, knowing had knowing we had to dis to discover clues and complete a series of clever puzzles, we decided that we will divide and conquer. So there were times that we worked together and during those times it was great. But there were also times that each person worked on their own little task, speaking to their own individual strengths. And I worked on word puzzles while others worked on number challenges and combination locks or like search for hidden clues. And I will confess, I was one of the, no, I was the only person who didn't know what she was doing. And, you know, I could have asked for help, but because I knew that, you know, I had to, I had to be strong, like I could do this on my own, I didn't ask for help. And all while we were all kind of separated in our own worlds, trying to get our own tasks done, 
with such limited time, there was someone watching over us, our game guide, like I mentioned earlier. And the game guide watches us through the cameras, watches our every move, watching and judging our questionable tactics and our not so great decisions. In our case, I feel like our game guide was sitting there shaking her head, like, what in the world are they doing? Sitting there like, nope, that's wrong. Like, what? You know it's not gonna work, so why are you doing it again, you know? And I feel for God. As he's watching over us, he's probably like, and what did you get yourself into? Yeah, I, I knew that was gonna happen, but why are you doing that again? No, no daughter, no son, don't do that. That he watches us repeatedly fail over and over again, watching us do the same thing over and over again. Like my son, my daughter, I am right here. You could have asked for help. Because in 1 John 14, 13 to 14, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the, in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Psalms 121, verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see, some of us don't like the idea of listening to the voice of the one who could help us out of a situation. That we don't like that idea of having a voice in our life that could help make a way of escape. For example, for some of us younger folks, we do things that our parents specifically told us not to do. We think, oh, I don't need their help. I don't need your help. I don't need your advice. I got this. Watch me. Oh, there's someone watching you all right. Then soon enough, you find yourself stuck in a situation that your parents told you not to get into. Then that's the time you ask for help. That's the time you are pleading for help. We find in the book of Psalms with, with some of the Psalms that David had written that God attends to the voice of our plea. But do we attend the voice when he is wanting and trying to help and guide us? You see, he is not bothered or annoyed by our petitions, by our cries, by our cry of help. He's not like our game guide who was probably annoyed and just in awe of how dumb we were at, at times. Like my little, my little brother, when we had little um, time left, he fell down to the floor and started spinning around and screaming, we're gonna die! We're gonna die! What are you gonna do? You see, God is not like that. Even if we may be a tad bit dramatic sometimes, he is not bothered or annoyed or think that you are annoying, especially in the time of your trouble and of your distress. God wants to hear you. He wants to help you, but will you let him speak to you in your times of trouble or distress? I just want to remind somebody that God doesn't expect you to be unbreakable. God doesn't expect you to have everything put together. God doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he expects you to come to him when you need help. When you are in need of help. See, when you are struggling, when you are trying to find the answer in all those little things that life may throw at you, when the answer is our Lord. Our help comes from the Lord. Stop being so afraid to call on his name even when we feel silence at times. Even when we feel so ashamed and even when we feel weak. Realize that his glory is made perfect in our weakness. Amen? Hallelujah. 
The Psalms in particular celebrate God's eagerness to hear and to and help his people in their day of distress and in times of trouble. David testified that God has been to him a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress, it says in Psalms 59, 16. And in Psalms 86, 7, it says, he knew where to turn when crisis came. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you for you are my answer. Right, right. Psalms 27, 5, he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. Psalms 20, verse 1, and David knew where to point others. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. Psalms 9.9, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Amen? Amen. Psalms 50.15, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and shall, you shall glorify me. Far from being bothered by our cries of help, God is honored when we turn to him with our burdens. Perhaps in, ver in verse Psalms 107, it says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. In the book of Matthew, chapter 14, where it tells us the story of Jesus walking on water, after he had fed the 5,000, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and his disciples took a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. When he, and when the night came, the wind started to blow, and the waves became high. And late that night, Jesus came to join his disciples. He was walking on the water to get on the boat and the disciples saw him walking on the water and they were afraid. They thought he was a spirit. Jesus called to them and it said, it said, I be not afraid. Peter wanted to walk on the water too. So Jesus told Peter to come to him. So Peter climbed out of the boat and he began to walk on the water to, toward the savior. When Jesus and Peter came to the boat, the storm stopped and all the disciples worshiped the Savior and they knew that he was the Son of God. And I tell this story because before Peter walked out on the water, Peter had said, Lord, if it is, if it is you, command me to come. And Jesus said that one word, come. And Peter began to walk on the water. And this is the part where we always talk about keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't look at the wind. Don't focus on the storm. Just fix your eyes on him. Because when the wind was present, Peter became afraid. And it tells us that he began to sink and he, he, was, he began to drown. But the real question is, what was Peter really walking on the whole time? Because it's not like when Peter stepped right out of the boat, the water turned into cement or the water turned into ice. But listen to this, when Jesus said, come, when Jesus gave Peter a word, and when Peter was in distress and afraid, Jesus gave him the word, come. And Peter began walking on that word. And that means he was in agreement with God because what he was walking on the whole time was his word, come. He was in agreement, and you see, God is basically trying to say that I can't do anything for you if we are not in agreement. He can't do anything for you if you are not wanting help to him to help you. He can't do anything for you if you're not crying out, God, I need you. God, I want to move. I want you to move in my life. Amen. And when I found out that I was one of the speakers for this St. John trip, the first thing that went to my mind was, what in the world? 
were they in their right mind choosing me? Is this a mistake? Was this like a typo? Like, I, I've, I've never wanted to escape so badly at that moment. <laughs> like, I found out about it, and for a couple of days, I was just like in denial. Like, I can't do this. Which is true, I can't. But through the help of God and through his voice, I can. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. And Brother Woodward had said, God does all the work. He just wants someone who is willing to speak on his behalf. Amen? And as April 16th started to approach, I kind of was still confused on what I wanted to preach. I was jumping between different um, ideas and topics. I was overthinking. I was becoming more and more stressful. And I was close to giving up. But last Wednesday when we had prayer and fasting and all the students had come up to the chapel and I was kind of, I was at the back of the chapel seated and I was praying. Well, not really praying, but kind of just asking God, well, what do you want to do through me? Like, I just say, I kept saying, God, I need to hear from you. God, I need your confirmation. God, just this once, let me know your voice. And while I was saying that, I literally had my Bible up against my forehead like, hoping somehow, some way that he would transfer all that knowledge into my brain. Like, that did not work. <laughs> um, and as I continued to just ask God, I, like in the middle of my plea, there was a voice in the distance and who, um, said, that said, may I pray for you? And at first I... You know, I, I was like, oh, maybe that's for another person. But then I felt a hand on my shoulder, and I looked up, and it was Brother Gowan. And he was like, may I pray for you? And I was like, yeah. So I scooted over, and, and he sat beside me, and he began to pray. And the first thing he had said was, God, open up her spiritual ears. And when he said that, I was like, whoa, whoa. I was literally just asking. <laughs> And then the next thing he says, God, let her know your voice. Let her hear your voice and let her feel your voice. And at that point, I was like, whoa. And he continues to say, don't let her be trapped up in a room, but help her to be free, God. And I was just like, oh, hold up. Brother Gowan, you just gave me a whole sermon. <laughs> like at that time, I was so desperate. Like, God, I need your voice. I need the voice that will guide me and lead me out of this space of no escape, when I cried out for help, he made a way of escape. Amen? Hallelujah. My uncle, when he was living in the Philippines, um, he was working in a biking company, and he was the one who assembled bikes, and he did that for about seven years. But he was a man of trouble. When he was younger, he would throw rocks at churches. He had no faith. He had a hard time at school. And one night he was working in the basement uh, assembling bikes. And while doing so, there was an earthquake, an earthquake. And what he remembers is when he felt that sharp pain piercing on his leg. And he looked down and on his leg was a metal bar that was broken off from the beam, piercing through his right knee and through the ground. And at that moment, um, automatically he was thinking that this was the end for him. Like, try, he was trying to lift up this heavy piece of metal, looking for things around him that could help him, screaming on the top of his lungs. And when it all felt as if there was no hope left, he was in the basement. So, you know, how could someone hear him scream? When it felt as if there was no escape 
at that moment he said, if there be a God that save, save me, prove it to me, and I will serve you for the rest of my life. And once he had said that prayer, rescuers had come to get him. And for the amount of times, the time he was under there, people were shocked that he was still alive. They brought him to the hospital. He ended up having to amputate his right leg. And that man now is a pastor, still serving God faithfully. You see, even when it seems as if there is no escape, even when life seems like it is going all wrong, when it seems that this world keeps messing up our puzzles, trying to make trying to take away our pieces, trying to mix it all up, that it seems impossible to solve, let me remind you that God hears you. There is a God who will prepare a way for you. There is a God who will make a way when there seems to be no way. There is a God who will speak to you and guide you out of the situation that you have been stuck in. There is a God who will guide you out of the escape room. And I know each, of, each and every one of us has been in a situation where you were stuck like in a season and all you wanted to do was break free and escape. Like for me, for example, when I'm stuck in a classroom doing a test and that I didn't study for, all I do is I want to escape, break free from that place. Like this year, fin- this year is finishing up, finishing up and we are down to our last few weeks. And that means exams, finals, tests, essays, assignments on top of assignments. The piles continue to get bigger. And on top of that, we have weekend ministry, chorale trips, school body trips. Then on top of that, we have to find time for our prayer life, Bible reading, fasting. And you feel like you're juggling all these things, trying to solve all these puzzles. Or for some adults, you're trying to make money for your children. You're trying to feed them, trying to take care of them, trying to watch their help, go grocery shopping, never really finding time for yourself that all you want to do is escape or go for a vacation. That while we are all focused on those little things, focused on trying to figure out this puzzle, there's someone watching us. A God who's calling out our name, a God who is a jealous God, a God who wants to spend time with you and with me, a God who wants to help you. Sometimes the only way for God to bring you back to him is for him to break you. We may not understand what God is trying to do in our lives. It says in John 13:7, Jesus answered him, "What am I doing? What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand." Sometimes we ask ask God, "Why am I going through this? God, why is that my family is going through one of the hardest seasons of their life?" God, why is that you had to take away that one person who was so dear to me? God, why? But we have to understand and realize that something had to break to bring you back to Christ. God is our help, so stop acting so tough and wake up and realize that whatever situation that you are in and you are letting these these outside voices convince you that there's nothing and no one that can make a way of escape, nothing that can deliver you from temptation or evil, but you see... That's what some of you are thinking. But I don't know if you know this, but we serve a God who can shut the mouth of a lion. We serve a God that turns water into wine. We serve a God that parted the Red Sea. We serve a God that turned five loaves and two fishes and fed it to 5,000. If you claim that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he did all that, if he performed miracles after miracles and 
What makes you think that he isn't capable to work a miracle help in your life right now? That he isn't able to speak into your situation only if you allow him to. The same God who made a way before can do it again today. And I see that we live in a generation and in a time where people are so puffed up in pride, so proud, saying, man, I got this. I can do this on my own. I don't need my parents to speak in my life. I don't need the voices of my spiritual leaders to tell me what to do. I got this. I got my own mission. I got my own task to accomplish. I don't know if you heard, but you are not going to make it without God. You can try, but it won't work. I didn't make it here without God. And I don't think you made it this far without him either. You see, I needed him every step of the way, every decision I made. I needed him. Don't be ashamed that you need him and quit caring about who's got their eyes on you. It's time to tell God you need some help. When my cousins and I were in the escape room, we were in this we were this close to escaping, like super close. We were ready to see the door open and yell, we escaped and we made it. And we were at our last puzzle and our last task and our last mission. That's when the pressure was so up there and the room was filled with noise. There was smoke that was filling the room, all of us screaming, you know, like help, help, we don't know what to do. Help, help. With, we screamed that with limited time left, with no time left. Don't ask help when you only have little time left. You know we have little limited time. There's no time to waste in a time like this. There's no time to be prideful in a time like this. There's no time to be ashamed of crying out to God. There is no time to shut out the voices of our spiritual leaders and of the voice of God. The Lord is wanting you to come back to him. But you have to put that effort to draw near to him. Because the devil will try his very best to pull you away from God. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's time to get your fire back. It's time to get vulnerable with him. It's time to cry out to him. I know that there are some of you who've been feeling like you've been falling away from God. You feel like you're not as close as God as you used to be. You haven't been opening up your Bible like you used to. You haven't been praying like you used to. You haven't been seeking like you used to. But it's time to escape that idea that you are content and comfortable with just enough. In the book of Revelation, the Lord told the church, it is time to get back to your first love. It's time that you get your passion back. It's time that you get lost in the word of God and not lost in this escape room that you've been trapped in for far too long. Get in a place with the Lord. The devil was trying to sh shut you down. He's been trying to get you distracted with all these temptations, all these distractions, all these struggles, all these challenges and puzzles because he knows once you get back with the Lord, you cannot and will not be stopped. Amen. And as I ask my brother to prepare to come up, why don't we all stand? Amen. I may not know you personally, and I may not know what temptations are being thrown at you, how scrambled and how shuffled your puzzles are, that it feels like it's impossible to solve, that you feel stuck, that it may feel that the season you are in, you're locked in that season, you're stuck in that season of pain, that season of grief, season of struggles, that you think it cannot be overcome. 
when it feels as if there's no way of escape, I'm telling you right now that God has already made a way for your escape. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't we begin to just continue to lift up the name of Jesus across this place. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for the word, oh Lord God. Knowing, Lord God, Jesus, that we must be sensitive to your voice, Lord God. To have an availability, Lord God, Jesus, to hear you, to feel you, Lord God, to know your will in our lives, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. What a powerful word from God. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you. Sister Danica from, for hearing from God, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This, this stage seemed a lot smaller just a few moments ago while we were singing. It's so much bigger now. And the crowd seems like it grew. And now I feel my heart beating faster. And you know that weird thing when your mouth like dries out and it's like this weird, okay, anyways. Anyways, this is not about how I feel or what I think or about my expectation, but it's about what God wants to do in this place this evening. Amen. It doesn't matter how I feel. God's going to have his way no matter what. Hallelujah. 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 I'm still nervous though. First and foremost, before I go any further with the service, I'd like to give honor where honor is due. I'd like to give a huge thanks to brother and sister Carter, amen, for allowing me to speak on what God laid on my heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This church is in great hands, amen. And to brother McNair, brother Scott, sister McNair, sister Tracy, thank you for your constant support and your trust in the student body. We appreciate all of you so very much. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So without further delay, if we may open up our Bibles to the book of Amos chapter 6. Amos chapter 6 verses 4 to 6. And I will be reading in the ESV. Shout amen if you have found it. Amen. It says, Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp, and like David invent for themselves instruments of music, who drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. This evening, I would like to speak on the topic, There is a Joseph. Will you bow your heads with me and let's just pray. Hallelujah, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for the reading of the word, God. I pray that you open up every heart, Lord, every mind in this place, Lord God, to receive your word, to hear from you, Lord, to feel you, Lord God, and hear the word the way you intended it to be received, Lord God. We believe in your mighty name, Lord, and we trust, Lord God, and we come in great expectation of what you are going to do here this evening, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. We give you all the glory, all the praise praises and all the honor in Jesus name we pray amen and amen hallelujah hallelujah why don't we give a hand clap of praise to God hallelujah hallelujah 
You may be seated. Hallelujah, Lord. There is a tendency in our society to, to run away from grief. We don't want to be in a headspace of, of mourning and, and pain or having to go through a cycle of sorrow. Although grief is something that we as humans try our very best to avoid, to steer away from, to get rid of in our day-to-day, it is something that God calls us to go through. However, we need to know that there is a difference between a grief that shuts us down and a grief that wakes us up. There is a grief that backs us up into a corner and a grief that tells us to go forth. There is a grief that freezes us in place, but there is a grief that tells us to act. That is the difference between a fleshly grief from a godly sorrow. A worldly sorrow causes us to defend and keep on the path of our sin, while the godly sorrow is what brought the God to leave the 99 for just one soul. Amos chapter 6 isn't a a testament to grieve over ourselves. Amos chapter 6 is a declaration that we need to have a heartbeat for the lost. There is a call to grieve over the hurting and the broken that are just outside the doorsteps of this very church. There is a shaking coming from the hand of God that is telling us to wake up from the contentment and comfortability of our own boundaries and see that we have not grieved enough for the lost. Are we grieving, church? Are we grieving? Amos chapter 6 verse 1 declares, Woe to those who are at ease in Zion and to those who feel secure on the mountain of Samaria. The scripture calls us to reflect, to look into ourselves and ask the question, am I one of those who are at ease with where I am at? Have we become so secure with where we are right now? Secure and satisfied with the things we have done till this moment? Have we allowed ourselves to be content with laying on our beds, content with comfortability? Have we become so caught up in feeding and indulging in ourselves that we have overlooked something so crucial? Have we begin to sing and lift up empty praise and song but mask it as if it were true worship? Have we become so at ease that we have failed to grieve? Not a worldly or fleshly grief, but a godly sorrow. God is asking, are we the ones so at ease in Zion? Amos declares, woe to those who are at ease. Sorrow to those who are at ease. Distress to those who are at ease. Shame on those that have failed to grieve, who have failed to feel the heartbeat of God for the lost. And there are a few things that Amos declares us to do to grieve for the lost. 
Amos declares that there are certain excuses that we have made up in our minds that have prevented us from going out into the harvest field. First, verse 4 says, Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall. We must be careful of indulgence. Indulgence leads to a spirit of self. Living for self becomes a breeding ground for complacency and, and selfishness to grow. Amos says, woe to those who have made their bed their harvest field and their couches their living space. Woe to those who have indulged straight from the flock and the fatted calves straight from the stall. We have it all, church. We have, we have the best. We have experienced a life of blessings so abundant. We have seen miracle after miracle have got to experience the goodness of God. We got to see the goodness of God in our lives. But what about Joseph? What about Joseph, church? What about those who need what we already have? What about the ones who need a place to rest and stretch or those who hunger and thirst for something more than what this world has to offer? What about Joseph who was thrown into the pit with nothing left but left to dry? Genesis 37, 24 says, And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. There is a Joseph somewhere out there that God has called us to grieve for. There is a Joseph out there that is waiting for you to get out of your bed, to stop feasting on the flock and to go and call them in. There is a Joseph waiting for you to show them Jesus, to show them that what it's like to be taken out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Church, we've already experienced that. So there is a Joseph that is waiting for us to grieve for them. Are we grieving? Secondly, in verse 5, we read, Woe to those who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp, and like David, invent for themselves instruments of music. Verse 5 depicts a people who who invented and made new music to new sounds. And to, to the normal ear, it may seem like they made a joyful noise like David did. However, we fail to see that they made songs that were idle to mask their fleshly habits and self-indulgence by justifying it to seem like they were just doing what David did. The word idleness means to be inactive or to be in a state of inaction. But church, there is a Joseph out there waiting for you to act. There is no time to sit around, to be inactive, to remain stagnant on the harvest field that we are now standing in. But there is a Joseph that is crying out to, to stop masking and justifying our sin, to stop excusing our unavailability. There is a Joseph that is waiting for someone to grab hold of the sickle and reap the harvest that is right in front of us. It's terrifying to think of the dangers that idleness can do.
Our idleness is what changes the statement that there is a Joseph to where is the Joseph. Our inactivity creates excuses for ourselves to say, if I don't know where that lost soul is, I can't go out and reach them. If I don't know the who or the what, the where and the why, I am all right with staying here and creating some idle songs until the moment is here. Can I say, stop letting your idle songs create excuses for your lack. The only way we can reach that Joseph is if we learn that grief is crucial to the harvest. If Jesus left the 99 for one soul, there is no excuse to why we cannot reach the Joseph that is right outside those doors. Are we grieving, church? Third, verse 6 says, Woe to those who drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Barnes explains it like this. They were like swine in the trough. They immersed themselves in their drink, swimming in mutual swill like swine. Relating back to self-indulgence. But it's the line, woe to those who anoint themselves with the finest oils. That is most important. The KJV uses the term chief ointments. This ointment in the Old Testament was made with, with specific spices and herbs and, and odors that was meant to be used and appointed solely for the service of God. The scent it gave off was a sign of holiness. Barnes said, in order to separate what was sacred from ordinary uses, God forbade on pain of death to imitate this ointment or pour it on the flesh of man. And here is what Amos warns. There is going to be people who will use the anointing as an excuse to ignore grief. Some are going to allow pride to take the forefront and use it to ignore the, the affliction of the lost. They will use the anointing to, to declare that they are too, too sanctified, too anointed, too above the dirt and grime of the world. Too above going back into the brokenness of the lost. Pride is the third excuse to why we fail to reach after the Joseph that God has called us to reach. Here is the cry, just like Joseph, that there is someone out there that is stuck in a dry, empty, dark pit. There is a cry for us to grieve for the Joseph that God is calling us to reach. And here is what we cannot afford to do. That even after knowing Joseph was in need, even after knowing that there is a Joseph down in the pit with nothing, with no help, no hand to hold on to, nothing to get a grasp of, his brothers ignored his affliction. They were so blind and numb, so self-indulged, so idle, so, so full of pride that they never even felt an ounce of of grief in fact in Genesis 37 25 even after knowing how lost Joseph was even after knowing the darkness he was in they simply sat down to eat bread 
So the question is, are we grieving church? Or have we become so numb, so hardened, so caught up in our own desires and plans and cares that we don't hear the voice of God any longer? That we don't feel the heartbeat of God with every step we take on this journey. But church, there is a Joseph who needs us to grieve, to have that godly sorrow, to reach the lost. I want to be clear that this, this sermon is not for, about condemnation, but it is for conviction. It's not about attacking or finger pointing, but it is a reminder of a great commission that happened years ago to reach the lost. Church, there is a Joseph. You have a testimony that needs to be shared. You have a journey where you walked through trials and suffering so lost that someone out there can relate to. Like Brother Chavis preached this morning, what God did for us was nothing small. But if that is something that you believe in, then we must make it something so big that we cannot escape or shake the feeling of the loss that is grieving out there that needs to hear that testimony. I am coming to a close. And may I call the music back up to the platform. But God is calling for a people to get back to the heartbeat of God. To get back to his voice. And feel the weight he feels when he looks upon the world. May we all stand across this place today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, hallelujah, Lord. There is a greater calling, Lord Jesus, than just to sit in our comfort zone. Hallelujah. Just to sit knowing and experiencing your goodness in our lives and keeping it to ourselves. But Lord, there is a Joseph. There is a Joseph, Lord God that you have called us to reach. Lord God, let us feel your heartbeat, Lord Jesus. Break our heart for what breaks yours. Let us feel that godly sorrow for the lost, God. Everything we've heard today, church, is an application not only for ourselves, but to reach those who are hurting and who are lost. This altar is open and God wants to speak to someone today. Get back to the heartbeat of God. To feel the grief that he is feeling. Are we grieving church? Or have we become so numb to where we are right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah.
God is speaking, God is speaking across this place. He is working, He is moving. And He's calling someone out for something higher, something deeper, something bigger than you are. There is a Joseph. There is a call to grief. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.